This morning's reading is taken Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 to 30. You can find it on page 1183 in your Bible. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now, much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault, in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky, as you hold hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labour in vain. But even if I am being poured out like a drink of offering on a sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I'm glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I may also be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. For everyone looks out for their own interests, but not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself, because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him soon, as I see how things go with me. And I am confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. But I think it is necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because he heard he was Ill. you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but also on me, to spare sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him so that when you see him again, you may be glad, and I have less anxiety. So then welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honour, people like him, because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not give me. This is the word of the Lord. A little while ago, I... um called at a house uh, where I had been asked to uh, take a funeral and after the usual uh, formalities of, of, of greetings uh, I was told something like this um, I don't think we've met before uh, but I've been asking around the village for people to tell me what you're like <laughs> no pressure there then I think it was all right because I was allowed to continue to the service. You you know, you go to these um, dinner parties in Surrey, don't we? And and at some stage, you you know you're going to get the question, and what do you do? I sometimes duck out and say I work for a large multinational, but I'm not sure (laughs) that's quite the answer expected. But suppose instead of the question, what do you do? It was that question, uh, what are you like? What would you say back? Uh, We're 
focusing today a bit on not what we do, but what we're like. Not the actions we make, but the attitudes we bring to them. It's about who we are, not so much about what we do. And that's a bit of an uncomfortable place to be, isn't it? Uh, You know we're in the season of choosing. Uh, We're about to choose uh, a new vicar. And uh, it would be easy to look at their CV and see all the things that they've done. But actually, you know and I know that the question in our heads is really, what are they like? But it's a reverse question too. I'm sure there are countless, well I hope countless, uh, clergy going around asking friends and neighbours and colleagues, not what Wanner's Church does, that's easy, they can look at the website. I reckon we probably have more hits on the website than usual in the last few days. It's easy to find out what we do, but what they really want to know is what we're like. And that's a different question, isn't it? Even in our national political life at the moment, we're asking the question, how much does character matter in the choice of senior leadership? What part does character play? Answers on a postcard, please. So our passage today is is all about the importance of character in the Christian life. It's not about what we do, it's about how we do it and what we're like. It's about the person that Christ is shaping you and I to be. Because he's out to make us different people. And that sometimes will involve us doing different things, but most of all he wants to make us different people according to his likeness. And that passage that we were reading this morning uh, begins with the word, therefore. And you'll know that whenever you get the word therefore in the New Testament, in the Bible particularly, you have to look back and see what's gone before. And, and uh, David and Kia have been helping us to get into this fantastic letter of Paul to the Philippians. And David reminds us at the start of all that God had done already in the life of the Philippians church, all the great things that had already happened, and how they had responded open-heartedly uh, to the power of Christ's gospel and the work of the Spirit. They were going places. They were a great church. They were really on the move. And then Kia last week talked to us about needing to live in the love of God as they were already doing. They knew that God loved them and had a special place for them. They were deeply, deeply rooted in the love of God already. So what does Paul say here? He says, therefore... And what's he saying, therefore, about? He's saying, therefore, these words, therefore, keep going. And sometimes it's uh, easier, isn't it, to start something than to keep something going. And so this is about keeping going, continuing, along the lines that God has already begun to do in us. It's about continuing to work with God to be the people that he wants us to be. And in this passage, Paul sets out a number of key words that shape and develop Christian character. And I just want to put these key words in front of you and then just reflect on them 
uh, for a moment. And the first word is be accountable. God is at work in you. Therefore, says Paul, work, you work out your salvation. Yes, God is at work, but you have to work it out. And you have to be accountable, says Paul to me and to you. You and I have to take responsibility for who you are and who you're becoming. You can't just leave it to someone else. Paul says, work it out. You have to take some responsibility for your own maturity, your own growing in Christ. Work it out. And he says, work it out with fear and trembling. Uncomfortable words. We don't often talk about fear and trembling in this church. But he says, work it out with fear and trembling. Why? Because God is at work in you. Not fear and trembling in order to get God to love you. Not fear and trembling in case God stops loving you. But fear and trembling because God loves you. Fear and trembling because God is in you. And that is awesome. Work that out for yourself. Charlie Wakefield, member of our church family, drives a very exciting all-electric Tesla. So one day, suppose he says, Hey, Colin, I know you're interested in this car. Here's the keys. Go for a drive. And suppose I brought it back a bit bent (laughs) and smashed up. Now, because I know Charlie understands grace and forgiveness, I'm sure, absolutely sure, he'd say, That's fine. I'll sort it. Borrow it any time. Just ask me for the keys. Now, even though I know Charlie would be like that because that's how he is, I would drive that car with fear and trembling because of the responsibility and the generosity of that gift. It wouldn't be that I was frightened of of Charlie exactly. It would be because I was in awe of what had been given to me as a responsibility. Just uh, celebrated with um, uh, Adam and Sarah this morning. Those of us who are parents might might remember that that, uh, kind of first moment when you you bring back the first child. Uh, You go to hospital sort of with an empty seat at the back and you come back with a a baby in it and apparently you're meant to keep it alive. (laughs) I tell you, fear and trembling marks those first days. Not because you're not thrilled, not because you're full of joy, but because of the awesome responsibility. And there is a sense of accountability, there is a sense of responsibility for ourselves that goes with the Christian life. One of the things I'm, one of the many things I'm grateful to David Peters for is introducing me to this book called Legacy by James Kerr. And the subtitle says it, it says it's all. What the All Blacks Can Teach Us About the Business of Life. It's a business management book, but actually it's excellent with all sorts of good things in it. As he commended, I commend it too. It's great. It's a good read. And one of the mantras that the All Black team says to themselves to make them the fantastic team that they are, is this. Better people make better all blacks. And in the end, it's all about character. 
Each player must take responsibility for their own character development. The team and staff and coaches are there to help them. But in the end, it's quite clear in the culture of that team that it's down to each person to take responsibility for their own character development. So here's my second word, and it's, it's, it's generous. Paul says, do everything, Philippians, do everything without grumbling or arguing. Our, our middle grandchild, age nine, is a highly skilled negotiator. He could sort out Brexit, uh, no problem at all. But if you ask him to do something, there then follows an endless series of negotiations about whether he's going to do it or not. And every parenting muscle in me has to resist saying, just do it because I say so. Because I know that's not the way to go. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. I love working, personally, I love working with people who ask hard questions of me. I love people who are challenging me. I love people who come up with fresh ideas. That's great. But what I really like is that the same people who are challenging, who come up with fresh ideas, are also people who, when they take something on, just get on and do it. And there's no grumbling, but there's a lightness and generosity of spirit, which is great. So Paul says, do everything without complaining or grumbling. And do you see what Paul is saying there again? In a sense, it doesn't matter what you're doing, do everything. What matters is the spirit with which you do it, without grumbling or arguing. You can kill a good thing dead by doing it in the wrong spirit. And here's the thing, as I check my attitude to what I'm doing and why I'm doing it, as I check my attitude to that, so my character in Christ grows through doing it. I just read this week of this sort of little story which which amused me. A little boy was being compelled by his father to sit down. And in the end, the little boy retorted, I'm sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. (laughs) Do everything without complaining or arguing. Our inner attitude in the end does count before God. And heartfelt and wholehearted obedience... It's both an expression of our love and loyalty to God and also the means of growing in it too. It's that rather yucky phrase, but actually I think it's got something about it. We need to cultivate that attitude of gratitude about all we do. One of the rules of life, it seems to me, about British life is that whenever there's a hole in the ground, in the road, there's always a group of men standing around it looking into it. And yesterday morning, I I turned up at church to do something or other, and uh, there was a hole in the ground outside, and there was a group of men standing around it. And it was a manhole, and they were digging out the most appalling amount of yuck you've ever seen. And they were clearing the drains of our church. But here's the thing. They were smiling as they were doing it, and it lightened my spirit, an attitude of gratitude. And so here's my third word, which is is confidence, not arrogance, but 
got confidence that God is living and working in me. All of us live with, a, with, a, with an imposter syndrome, don't we? Am I really up to this? Does God really love me? Am I really that important in God's life? Is it really true that I've got a contribution to make to God's kingdom on earth? Is it really me? I, I'm not sure I can see myself there. And God says, yes, it is you. Yes, it is you. Because I am at work in you. And I can make you the person that you are intended to be. And there's a sense in which we have to trust God's, that God knows what he's doing with our lives. He may lead us in all sorts of uncomfortable and unexpected places. We may find ourselves actually tested deeply in our characters because we are under pressure. And our character in many situations, perhaps at work, perhaps at home, perhaps in the community, it's our character that's on the line. And we feel under pressure. And it's at that time we need to say, God, you're here. You're at work in me. You're shaping me. I need to trust that work and face this pressure with you. And my final word is simply outgoing. In a crooked and depraved generation, you hold out the word of life, says Paul. Paul to the Philippians, all that God has done in you, all that you have become so far, all that you will be and continue to be, People see that you're different. You may not feel it, but people see it. And you shine like stars, says Paul, in the midst of a dark and crooked generation. So this question, who am I holding out for? Who am I reaching out to with the word of life? So all this comes together simply in the word that God, that Paul calls obedience. And he says this, Therefore have you, as you have always obeyed, I know about your obedience, says Paul, but now much more, because I'm not with you in presence, in person, because I can't be with you, all the more continue in obedience. And someone's described discipleship as a long journey in the same direction. You know, we all rock and roll a bit. We all get blown off course. We all go up and down with our feelings and circumstances. But actually, deep down, you and I have both set our life's direction. And I love that phrase which I first heard in the broadcast on the radio, that we have set our life's direction in the will and way of Jesus. And if, if over all our lives we had to have a motto, wouldn't it be this? Over everything, all the ups and downs, all the uncertainties, all the rock and roll, the will and the way of Jesus for me. And Paul says, as the passage goes on, uh, you don't have to do this all on your own. There are three of us who are really here for you. There's me, Paul, at a distance in prison, frustrated I can't be with you, but I'm willing to face any cost for your benefit. I don't care what happens to me as long as God's work continues in you. There's Timothy. Paul says there's no one like him. Painstaking, humble, willing to serve, excited about the future. He's there for you, says Paul. And then there's Epaphroditus. Who this risked his life in the service of Christ? be an interesting question to our candidates, wouldn't it? By the way, have you ever risked your life in the service of Christ? 
But there are people who are there to help us, surround us, support us. Three different people, but all committed to one another and to the service of God's people. But just this, am I willing to let other people help me? Am I actually willing to let other people into my life? Am I actually to say to people, look, I need you to come alongside for a bit, to pray with me, support me, encourage me. That's what home groups are particularly good at, but, but personal relationships, personal friendships are there too. But am I actually willing to say, look, I'm, I'm open to other people coming in to help me grow in Christ? So Paul says to the Philippians, will you let us in? We open our lives to you so that we can grow in Christ together. You're so much going for you at the moment, but together we could be even more. I was at a church in uh, Cambridge last Sunday, and as it happens there, the speaker was also talking about Christian character. And he gave us another set of words, and the words he gave us uh, last Sunday were compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And at the end of the sermon, he said, uh, which of these words do you think you particularly need to work at for yourself uh, just at the moment? And my first reaction was, I think I'm pretty good at all of them, thank you very much uh, indeed. And I'm especially brilliant at humility. I think I've got that completely cracked. Uh, Then I asked Jean uh, what she thought I needed to work on. And that was a completely different conversation. But following that example, as you hear these words today, which do you think you might need to just give a little look to as you journey on? Accountable? Generosity of spirit? Confident, not arrogant, knowing that God is at work in you? Valued and valuable? Outward looking? Obedient? Aware that God is at work in us, being willing to accept help from those who God puts around us. And so maybe today is just a little space and time to reflect, not just on the things that we're doing for for the life of God in this church. Maybe just space and time to be honest and open with God about what's really going on inside us at the moment. Who we're becoming and the attitudes that we're shaping. Because your well-being is God's deepest concern. He's not out to get us. He's not out to trip us up. He's out to make us and flourish us as the people we are meant to be. Being one with God in his spirit of purpose for our life. Because today, God is at work. Even in this service this morning, God is at work in us and amongst us. Not work for us to do, but work for us in our becoming. And maybe just as I've been talking this morning, you're aware that there's one particular aspect of your, of your attitude, of your character, of your reactions that you're particularly struggling with this morning. And you'll know that there are people here who, who'd love to pray with you. Not specifically, you don't have to say anything, but just say to them, Would you pray for me that I may be the person that God wants me to be? Just to make space for God to do a new thing in your life and my life this morning.
I was aware that as I was preparing this talk, there was a sort of frustration in me this morning, and I was thinking, yes, but what actually am I meant to do about what I'm saying to you and what I'm saying to myself? Because we all get things wrong, and so often we say to people, oh, I'm really sorry I got it wrong, that's how I am, you, you know, and we say, take me or leave me. And actually, that's a bit of a, a kind of cop-out, isn't it? Isn't that a bit of a way of saying, actually, I've got no responsibility for how I react and who I am? And I'm not sure that Paul's letter this morning quite lets us off that hook this morning. And there is this call on our lives to take responsibility and to work with God that we may really be growing in him to be the exciting people that he's made us and redeemed us to be in Christ. Amen.